This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Homesdale Radio. Football Blogging Award Finalist 2015. www.holradio.net Good evening and welcome to Homestar Radio. My name is Chris Hambling and I'm your host for tonight's show. Palace continued their recent hoodoo over Liverpool with a hard-fought 2-1 win at Anfield. Just moments ago, in fact. It was the Eagles' third, third, in fact, not third, I don't know what that means. It was the Eagles' third ever win in the top flight away to the Scousers and victory was sealed by boyhood Liverpool fan Scott Dan after Philip Coutinho had cancelled out Yannick Molassi's powerful opening strike. Helping me dissect the game are not Albert Curley because he hasn't shown up. Uh, feel free to find him on Twitter and abuse him for that. There's Nick Gillard. Hello. Ben Nagel. Hello. And joining us a little bit later on will be Jell Holyoke. We can't say hello because he's not here yet. Also tonight we'll be looking at whether John Jackson would be voted into the Ultimate 25-man squad in one of the goalkeeping spots following nominations during the course of the week. You can have your say tonight too. Head to holradio.net forward slash contact to find out all the ways you can get in touch with us tonight. We'll be back in ch- just a moment with all the chat. Homesdale Radio, Football Blogging Award Finalist 2015. net. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ben. Hello. Hi. 
Uh, I just thought I'd um, have a quick chat with you before we got too much further and just sort of say, you know, it's nice to have you you're back on the show. Thank you very much. Are you about to abuse me? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Why would I do but, that? Because I'm not here very often, but uh, it's the nature of the job. But yeah, it's uh, very good to be back and I'm, I'm really uh, excited to for the next hour and a half talk about Palace and, and what the result it was. Such a, it was such a footballer slash journalist answer. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about three points at the end of the day. I thought, um, <laughs> thought Vlad did, did everything well out there on the pitch today. No, so, um, so for the you know for the long term listeners who've been missing you terribly, you know we get mm. we have got upwards of upwards of no emails on uh, <laughs> asking where you've been. Um, so uh, you know what have you been up to? Is this planned or are you just doing this off the cuff? I've off been, the cuff. I've, I've, been, work, I've been working, um, and uh, that's about it, really. You know, just uh, sort but of. Where? Do. Where have you been working? What's so important that you can't come on whole radio anymore? Well, uh, as uh, some of you know, I'm a, a freelance journalist, and <laughs> um, when I get offered work, I take the work. Otherwise, the bills don't get paid, Christopher. Well, there you go. You have some harsh lessons in life exactly. uh, described to you by Ben Nagel there. But it, like I say, it is genuinely good to, to have you back on the show. Nick, What you've, uh, you have you hosted a show, didn't you, recently? What have you been up to? Um, yeah, that's hard work. So chapeau to you, Chris, for keeping everybody in order. Um, it's been a very, very good day today. Um, both my boys' teams um, won. Rustlers, first, first, that's a dodgy name for a kid's team, isn't it, Rustlers? It really is, yeah. Anyway. But it's, yeah, not spelled like you think it is. Um, they won 10-3 in a top-of-the-table clash. And um, mm. FC Elmstead, the Red and Blue Army, Joe's under-14 team, they won 3-0 to stay at the top of their league. So it's um, all looking good. And, um, of course, there's the victory. I, I genuinely wasn't expecting to get anything today. No. Real, it was... So it was a real bonus to get that win. I, I, I almost forced myself to watch it. Yeah. No, I, I didn't I, have I, a very good feeling. I got it not to have been there to be honest with you. I mean, I, I watched it, um, watched it in full, but didn't you know? Didn't get the, ch- uh, the opportunity to go up there really because you know work these days really does get in the way of a lot of these things. So it's difficult on a Sunday. And, and fair play to all of those who did go and probably going to have a very late night tonight and struggle to get into work tomorrow if they've got to go. But um, there was some great support up there. You could see it at the end there. The, the fans absolutely loving every single second of it, celebrating with the players. It's brilliant to see. I, lo- I really do love seeing that. Um, you know, okay, you could argue we're sort of over celebrating considering it's just one game, but going and winning at Anfield is is a real achievement. It really is, and um, we yeah. are their bogey team. We are their bogey team, aren't we? Absolutely, you, you can see it from uh, from the reaction of Liverpool fans on Twitter. And if you haven't done show done so, obviously wait till after the show. You want to be listening to this, but do have a look on uh, on social media at some good meltdowns from Liverpool fans and see so inflicting Jurgen Klopp's first defeat and. You know, it, it feels good. It feels really, really good to, uh, it, to have done that. It is mental as well. The last few results against against Liverpool, sort of having been up there last season, beating them, beating three one at home last season as well. The three all draw. It's just mad. The last four results we've had against them, and uh, the only, yeah, the only, certainly yeah. team. They've only beaten us in the cup, haven't they, last season? Yeah, yeah. And even then, they're a little lucky to do that. It's uh, it's definitely a, there's definitely a mental situation going on there. It's not just about the fact that we're you know we're. We were a very good team, and we'll talk about that through the course of the of the review. But um, there's definitely, you know, when you when you get a situation where a team like us just keeps beating them, there's definitely something going on um, in the mentality there as well, which is great to see. To be honest with you, um, but the, yeah, the performance was there against Man United, and we definitely kicked on from that. I uh, just want to make quick mention of the fact you, if you are listening to this either live through your computer, obviously, or the podcast later in the week, you can listen live to the show on an app 
Uh, it's, it allows you to get in contact with us and all that kind of stuff as well. It's um, got links to all the podcasts. But, yeah, obviously the best point is you can listen on the go live to the show. And hopefully there might well be a fair few of you on the way back from Anfield listening to us. And if so, um, thank you, first of all, for tuning in. And um, I'm sure you're absolutely loving it on your way back. And it makes that journey all the more easier to take three points home with you. So um, if you do want to go uh, get the app, go to holradio.net forward slash. No, no, he says no. Holradio.net forward slash mobile app. Oh. For both. HOL. HOL. Oh, for both. HOLradio.net forward slash mobile app. And that will take you directly to the app. There you go. Wonders of technology. If you've got an Apple phone, then it will take you to the App Store. If you've got an Android phone, it'll take you to the Android Store. Amazing. That that is amazing. It's the future. I'm stunned by that, as you can tell. I don't even think that could... Oh, Albert might well be joining us as well in a bit, I've just heard. That's going to be amazing, isn't it, if all the people that said they are on the show turn up. Can I read you a stat that I've just read and it's amazing? Yeah. Crystal Palace have only ever won three league games at Anfield. Pardew played in the first and managed the other two. So, yes, he did. That is correct. He's been involved in all three of our league wins ever at Anfield. And he put the ball in the scales, isn't it? He did indeed. Hmm. I don't know whether we should wait. I mean, Gel's Gel's on his way. Albert's on his way. But I think we should just probably get underway with the. Uh, I like. I like how oh. they on, on their way, like they're sort of wandering down the corridors of Homestyle Radio. Into the <laughs> they are. Yeah, they, they're walking down the corridors of the studio. Obviously, they've got to get the lift to the top floor where we're yeah. based. Um, yeah. You know, you've got to get through the lobby as well. The security guard there, Steve, can be uh, <laughs> can be tr- problematic to get past him. Uh, obviously, he looks after all the other podcasts that are on the lower fo- floors as well. Of course, the. Um, I've got Nick Philpott's listening live in the car, stuck on the A4, he calls it the Poxy A406. Uh, thanks for tuning in, Nick. Uh, glad, glad you're listening in. And uh, I say, hopefully plenty more of you on the way back doing that. We could be, just keep you company during this, uh, the traffic jam and the journey and all that kind of I stuff. I wonder if um, Nick, Nick can send us a four-word review of the A406. <laughs> well, do get that in, Nick, if you can. Of course, don't text while in, at the wheel of your vehicle, of course. Uh, that is illegal and you endanger yourself and other road users. <laughs> Anyway, let's just get into the chat. Uh, Gel, are you there? Gel, Gel. Oh, he sort of... I can see him, but I can't hear him. He's there, yeah. He says he can't hear, then he's sworn. Um, well, I'll let everyone else sort that out. Let's get talking about it. The changes, uh, the lineup changes were that Papa Soiree was back at left-back. Uh, Ward made the bench but wasn't fit to start, so Kelly uh, began the game at right-back. Uh, so back four was nearly back to normal, just Kelly in for, for Ward. Uh, obviously, Hennessy in goal once more, and we'll talk about Wayne Hennessy because he got some stick on this show, but uh, I think there's some praise coming his way for sure. Uh, Sacco started the game up front, although every now and then he would, was exchanging positions with Yala, um, just to give Liverpool something to think about, and we'll talk about how we think that went. But it was a fairly standard formation you expect from Palace. Uh, I just want to talk to you first of all, guys. You saw that, that line-up come in and, and what you actually thought you know, you were going to get from the game. Nick, you started earlier on and said, you know, we're not going to get anything here. When you saw the lineup, did you, uh, did you sort of fear the worst? It all, before I saw where they, where they positioned themselves on the pitch, I, I, I knew that Sarko and um, Balassi and Zaha would interchange, but they didn't interchange much. They did. But knowing that we had Suarez meant that we'd have that attacking intent. Um, and it did. It meant, meant we could break more. So... Yeah, I felt a little bit better once once I'd got the stream up and managed to see who was on the pitch. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. Uh, ben, your views on on that lineup and, and whether you were—I uh, mean, were you hopeful that we'd see the result we saw in the end? 
Uh, no, to be honest, I, I was really worried before the game. I didn't have a lot of confidence at all. Obviously, it was brilliant to have Suarez back in the team, and I think we sort of—he's really underrated. Is he underrated? I don't know. People are starting to realise how, just how good he is. But I think honestly, he's, he's sort of in in our best three players, um, and he was just fantastic to at the back. So it's good to have him back. But in terms of that forward line, to go to Anfield without a recognised striker. Um, with two sitting on the bench, albeit one isn't very good and one is coming back from injury, it's difficult. And I, to be honest, I probably would have played the same team if I was in Pardew's position. But sort of looking at it as a fan, Hello, when you're, you're playing at Anfield without any strikers, it's... <laughs> I can't hear anything. Oh, brilliant! I can't hear anything. Oh, well, we can hear <laughs> just, just, what, what a genius he is! Can't hear anything. We can hear you. <laughs> Oh, oh we can actually hear him now being told by the producer what to do. This is good this is good Hang good on a stuff. Second. Audio scenes. Um <laughs> I can't actually believe he's still done he's this. He's on the phone he's on the phone to Mikey. There you go, that's better. Hopefully um, um that was just still, um, listening to these FBA judges because I think we just <laughs> love... Yeah, I really yeah, hope that the, yeah, if, you, if the football blogging awards judges are listening, please just don't judge us too harshly on this. It's because we've got an idiot in charge. Okay, let me finish my point and I'll get us some recognition back. Right, so <laughs> um, obviously no recognised striker, which is worrying as a fan going to Anfield, which is obviously a huge place to go, one of our biggest trips of the season. Um, and I was a little bit worried, uh, I think um, in, the ch- in our chat earlier today, Tav mentioned it, you're sort of playing... A, star, uh, a player up front who's renowned for not scoring goals, which is um, a little bit worrying to say the least. But I think he's proved us all wrong with that fantastic finish, which we'll come on to talk about in a little bit. And um, hopefully now, looking forward, Wickham will be sort of fully fit and able to start after this international break. So uh, looking forward, it, it's all good with, with Newcastle and Sunderland coming up. Yeah, definitely. I like to say it was obviously a worry. Gale got the injury during the course of the, the week, fuck? which was oh my oh, days. Yeah. Right, um, that was Mr. Joe Holyoke, who you, you heard there. Um, the absolute genius that, that he is. He can't hear us, but hasn't really worked out that we can hear him. Ben, like you say, uh, difficult difficult situation with regards to the strikers. Um, but I don't necessarily think that Balassi scoring a goal proves us all wrong. But, um, but it certainly goes some way to showing he can actually yeah, play that yeah. role. Um, so, uh, again, I, I think probably, you know... Before the kickoff, I was very apprehensive, very, very much thinking that uh, we'll be happy to get away with a draw here. And I don't think my mind changed really through most of the first half. We did start very much on the front foot, uh, and then you know conceded a little bit of a spell of possession. Uh, but I felt that Kabai in that sort of early period, he was the one who who really sort of kicked us on and sort of got us out of that, that where we were just inviting more and more pressure in from Liverpool at a very early stage. And it was it was him, uh, just a couple of moves really, just pushing forward. Um, you know, driving, looking for the pass, but also in chasing back and really harrowing. He, he, ne- he never, you know, lets anyone have a moment's peace when they're on the board. It was very important in those opening stages where we were just kind of feeling our way into the game. But um, and and it was from you know from that spell where we got back in after a, a period of Liverpool pressure that Wilf got through and, and got that cross in. Now we're not great at crosses, usually sort of first time. Uh, crosses and all that kind of stuff seems to be our best bet when we've got a bit of time to think it doesn't really work out but it was a great cross from uh, from Wilf um, but before we talk about what happened there Ben I know you wanted to jump in yeah I'll just quickly jump back to that Kabai point um, I mentioned to you before the show actually about the first 20 minutes of the game Palace had 65% possession and, and almost half of 
where the ball was and the whole pitch was right in that Liverpool final third. So we, we properly dominated that first sort of 20 minutes or so. Uh, but then after that, as, as is sort of expected at Anfield, Liverpool came back into the game and, and you have to sort of ride the storm and, and, and sit back a little bit. And Kabay's just absolutely perfect at sitting in front of that back four. I think also he's made MacArthur a much better player, but to have a player of that class just sit, be able to sit in front of the front four um, and just put a few tackles in and, and clear the danger. I think it's absolutely perfect, and uh, and he was brilliant again today. And I'm sure I say it every time I'm on the show, but he's just a cut above Johan Kabay, and he's he sort of just made us a much better team th- through his presence in the midfield. Yeah, the only, uh, I mean, it was so noticeable against uh, against Man City when he wasn't playing. Just how much yeah. um, he, he's important to the way we play. We're just not set up as a as a team anymore to play. You know, the counter attacking way we used to play. You know. Now he's in the side. We're all used to being able to play through the centre of the pitch, and a lot of our best work was done through the centre of the pitch. Nick, um, interestingly though, Ben, you're right. We were were on top in the first twenty minutes, but the halftime stats said we'd only had two shots: one on target, which was uh, Belasti's goal, and one off target. So, for all that time in their in their final third, we didn't actually create much, did we? Yeah, there's a few times. Uh, Wilf's a, a great example of this, where you just want him to have a shot. There's a few times where he gets in down the outside and sort of cuts in, and, and you think he can shoot. Sacco's much better in those positions, actually, in terms of just getting a shot away. Um, but it can be a little bit frustrating. Yeah, I agree with sort of not having shots. But um, yeah, I think we did dominate for, for large parts of the first half, definitely. Mm. I, yeah, I, oh, sorry, we've just got a, a contact in from, from CJ Hall. I was going to. Going to sort of dwell a bit more on this and talk about the first goal, but he just got in touch and he said, "Prediction time, gentlemen. Where do you uh, imagine that the Eagles uh, will finish in the Premier League table at the end of the year?" Uh, he also wants to think who also ask who we think will be relegated through the course of the season. Um, and to mentions it felt great to beat the Scousers today. Um, well, I mean, where do you think we'll finish? A good, I know it's a it's a bit of a a tangent for us, but what do you think, um, Ben? Where do you think anything higher than last season? I think is is a good result. Obviously, the first first season in the Premier League finished was it eleventh and then tenth? I think that's what it's been. So yeah. it's um, yeah, anything above that really is is a bonus. I don't. Everyone talks about Europe, but to be honest, I think we're probably not quite ready for that yet. And anywhere between the sort of bottom European positions and and the the end of the top half will, will suit us. And I just think it's about just improving season on season and getting to a point where we're sort of ready to. To, to get a little bit higher although saying that I don't think it would be disappointing if, if we finish a few places below because <laughs> let's face it we're not going to get relegated and that's that will come back to bite me if we, if we get close to us in the season but um, <laughs> I, I think we're uh, we're in a good place at the moment and with a couple of fixtures coming up now against Sunderland and Newcastle we're, we're definitely looking up rather than down mm. No, it's funny you say that uh, Jerry got in touch earlier on today with his forward review and it was halfway to 39, which I halfway to 39 <laughs> points. So, uh, I, you know, very much still thinking like that. But I have to say that similar to you, I'm, I'm looking at, I feel we've, we've gone through a blip. We started in good, in, you know, with good form. I think it's only been a blip the last couple of days where the performances, a couple of days, a couple of games. Um, but I, I don't think performances were even that bad. I think a lot of people got ahead of themselves. Um, in, in terms of, of the fact we had a couple of poor results, but I think we're on, we're about to go on another run now. I hope I haven't jinxed it by saying that, but like you say, the game's coming up. They're, they're winnable games, um, but I just think the way we're playing, you, you see how we played against Man United was fantastic, and we did kick that on today. Uh, I would say probably the performance against Man United was slightly better um, without without getting the, the win itself. Um, 
you know, we got we'll talk plenty about what, what the reasons for that, and you know, I'm sure we'll be getting pretty excited about the fact that Connor Wickham came on and uh, and did pretty well. A quick point, Ben. Yeah, just in terms of going on a run. Obviously, we lost three one to West Ham and then away at Leicester one nil. And when you go into, we come out of that game and you think we've got City in the cup, then we've got United and we've got Liverpool. It's looking pretty tough, and you're sort of thinking, could this be five straight defeats? But to take four points from that Liverpool and United game is absolutely brilliant, and it just sort of shows that even though you're in a bit of a rut, sort of you just knuckle down and, and get on with it. There's points there to be picked up for sure. And uh, Nick, your answer to that question uh, regarding where you think we'll finish? Well, I, I still I said at the beginning of the season, I said when we were second, I still think we'll finish fourth or fifth thereabouts. I think we've we've shown good character. As Ben said, we've had a couple of blips. Soiree asthma did make a big difference today. Um, the other part of the bloke's question was who's, who's going to get relegated? I think Sunderland, Bournemouth and possibly Norwich, I think, mm. this year. I've, I've got no worries about us being relegated <laughs> just because the, the other teams are poor, which is something I haven't had um, for, well, since we've been up in the Premiership. I've, I've, I hope I don't get bitten in the arse, but I, I've no fears of relegation. Nick, to clarify, did you just say you think we're going to finish fourth or fifth in the Premier League? I've been saying it all season, mate. Okay. Carry okay. on. Um, you know, I, I said top six as well, I think, when we talked about it at the start of the season. Um, and, I, and nothing's really changed my mind. I was worried. I have to say the last couple of games, um, I, was, I was worried. But honestly, I've seen see the way we played in, those, in the games against Man United and Liverpool. Just We're a different side. Absolutely different side. Anyway, we're going to come back. We'll start talking about that first goal in just a moment. But here's... Here's a quick message. Listen to Homestale Radio on the go using our Apple iOS app. Download at holradio.net forward slash iOS. Um, so, Albert, I believe you've joined in. <laughs> I'll tell you what, that traffic back from Anfield is a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, well, well done, mate. You've, uh, you've made it in record time, I think. Um, so, I mean, yeah, again, everyone's had a chance to, to answer. I suppose we were just in the middle of answering this uh, question of, of where do you think Palace will finish, which came in as a, a general query from CJ Hall on the uh, contact via the app. Uh, what's your view on that? Where do you think Palace is going to finish the end of the season? I'm going to go with eighth. Eighth. I think eighth is a, is a remarkable improvement on, obviously, what we've done already. The, 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 the closer you get to the top half of the table, the tighter it gets and the harder it gets to to grab an extra place so you know bearing in mind our two finishes in the previous seasons I think eighth would be an amazing achievement but given how the reaction of, of the, losing the games against West Ham and Leicester and I suppose to a degree losing the game in the cup as well um, you know and the, the feeling now obviously again with everyone's contact is okay it's just after the game which rarely we're actually talking just after a match but everyone's incredibly positive again um, like so, you know we're going from one extreme to another perhaps do you think people are getting a little ahead of themselves again or do you think like I think we were being a bit too negative about the defeats well I don't know what other people have predicted because I've been stuck in that bloody traffic <laughs> so, Nick, Nick said fourth or fifth fourth or fifth is crazy it's madness <laughs> Because there's there's teams up there now that won't be there at the end of the season, in my opinion, and there's teams that should be there that will probably climb up a bit more. So for us to somehow steam ahead of of that that pack, I think is um, I'm going to say ludicrous, Nick. <laughs> well, there you go. Nick has been. To, I don't know if Nick's even here yet, but uh, I think he's Was it one in one out. Yeah, I think so. I think we're only allowed a certain number of people on at the moment. Uh, so let's let's. Um, Let's go back to what I was, I was just about to talk about before the break. Um, 
which was the the, the opening goal. And it, the fact it came from a Wilf Zaha cross, okay, the cross didn't actually <laughs> find anyone directly. It found the um, essentially the quite rubbish Emre Chan, who managed to cushion it directly into the path of Yannick Balassi. But what a finish that was. Um, I mean, Ben, you can describe it if you may. Just... You know, there was. I felt there was a lot of uh, a lot of frustration in that finish. Yeah, definitely, uh, and I agree about what you said about Emre Chan. It's uh, a very poor touch. It sort of just bounced off his leg when he should be clearing that first time, really. Um, but Balassi, he's not in an easy position either. There's bodies in the way. I think Sacco's one of them. There's a couple of other Liverpool defenders sort of standing uh, in front of the goal, and some somehow it's managed to go through a more. I don't even think it took a deflection on the way through, uh, and it left sort of left Mignolet with absolutely no chance of getting there and. Sort of, I think he needed that as well. Balassi does get a lot of stick, and especially when he's been played a few times in that forward role, sort of through the middle. You know, the onus is on him to score goals, and uh, so happy for him that he's, that he's managed to do that today. And and uh, sort of quite a few doubters, as you said earlier, probably doesn't mean that we should be playing him there every week, especially with Wickham coming back. But uh, yeah, really nice for him to get a goal, and, and what a finish it was. Joe, you, you seem to be there. You happy to see Balassi get on the score sheet? Oh no! <laughs> yeah, absolute. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. I'm just eating. I'm just eating. Just eating. <laughs> but uh, Albert, again, obviously, I take it. You know, well, you, you saw the Balassi finish. Um, you know, again, does, does you know? Is he a genuine option up there? Let's let's just be serious about this because that's the question we were talking about, talking about during the game uh, about you know whether or not we should be looking for this. I mean, what Wickham did when he came on, obviously, became a. He was like the forefront, you know. He was he was the sort of man to aim at. He gives you an easy ball out, you know. Can Balassi actually do that and be a goal threat? Well, I'm always I'm always one of the first people, certainly amongst our little circle, to go. Oh, Balassi's up front and sort of scoff a bit. But you know, it hasn't it hasn't happened a multitude of times. And you know, Sunderland and other you know and a few other games when it happens, he he does tend to bang one in. I think the 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 goal today isn't necessarily as a result of Balassi playing up front, you know, there's, there's several Palace players in the box. I'm, you know, I'm not taking anything away from the finish or the way he puts it away, but it's not, that's not as a result of him leading the line as good a goal as it is. And I'm always hesitant to have him up, up top as the focal point of our attack, Pu- purely because, and it's, you know, sounded like a broken record because his finishing is so erratic, you know, for, for a man who takes as many shots as he has done in the past, you know, he's rarely threatening the goal. Um, so for me, even though it's, he seems to sort of buck the trend every now and then, I don't think it's a serious option. Again, especially in the light of hopefully Conor Wickham coming back into a run of fitness. It is that is that thing is we've we'd all been talking about it for weeks on end now about getting Conor Wickham back in and what a difference it would make. And that substitute appearance will certainly not do uh, do anything to damp the sort of the fire of that kind of theory. He, he was he was excellent when he came on. Um, but yeah, let's. I mean, obviously, great finish by by Yannick Balassi. But I also felt once that goal went in, we one nil up at Anfield, and I think we we immediately stood off and really did invite pressure. It was it was frustrating to see in a lot of ways, but we did defend pretty resolutely, I have to say. Um, you know, we weren't but but the, the frustration I think during the during that first half, just even leading up to the the equalizer was that we weren't really set up to break. So but we and we didn't really have the presence up front to hold it. And myself and uh, producer Sam actually were were talking about um you know, we're talking about the fact that, you know, we didn't have this out ball and, and what that meant for us. And I was getting a little bit frustrated because for me, it's not about 
it's not about having this player up front necessarily because an out ball, you know, the ball cleared out from defence up to a to a striker is a percentage ball anyway. You know, you're only going to win a certain amount of headers. You're only going to be able to hold the ball up a certain number of times. So you're only going to have that same conversation, but it'll just be about we've only got one up top. He needs support. You know, he can't do it all on his own. Why do we keep smashing it up the pitch? All that kind of stuff. So I still think we'd all have an issue with it. And so for that reason, I'm more concerned with with how we set up. And I thought we thought we changed in the second half. We actually got our wide men on the ball much more, and it made a big difference in my view. But getting ahead of myself a little bit there, the equaliser. I've got to say, I, I thought. You know, it was it was coming a little bit because um, you know there was a header from Benteke, which uh, Hennessy saw it very very late, which was a very good save. Actually, let's stop and talk a little bit about Hennessy. Uh, we criticised him before for not for not making saves, you know, for essentially just occupying a space in the goal during the course of a couple of clean sheets, and all of a sudden everyone was uh, was praising him for for his part in that. But I think today was you really saw him actually make some terrific saves. Uh, what were your views, Ben? Um, yeah, I thought he was really good today. A um, couple of couple of saves. That there was one at the near post where he sort of palmed it, palmed it round the post, and then uh, one that was hit with some pace that he tipped over the bar. Um, you'd probably expect him to save it, um, but I think honestly we've got three goalkeepers that could play week in week out. I think there's, uh, I think Pardew said it before as well that Palace are blessed with goalkeepers and there are options there, um, which is good in the fact that if Hennessy has a bad game, he knows that there's players breathing down his neck that can come in. Um, but yeah, today he was good, and I, I do agree with pe- what people have said previously about him potentially not being, um, you know, the best. I, I, at one point, I said that he was our third choice goalkeeper. Um, mm. Evidently, he's not because he's playing week in week out. But he, he's not a bad goalkeeper. He's Wales number one. He's playing week in week out in the Premier League, and you know, today I thought he, he performed really well. Yeah, uh, Albert. I mean, again, I don't know if you were one of those who was critical of Hennessy. There were a few of us. I, I definitely was, and I'll, I'll say my piece in a bit, but. Um, he definitely made some strong saves today. I can't keep up with a goalkeeping scenario, who we like, who we don't like, who Terence likes, who you like, who Joe likes. Um, but today, I don't think you can fault Hennessy. Yeah, Ben sort of summed it up, you know, then made a couple of good saves. The um, I know the, the Coutinho save in the second half from his, when he gets put onto his left foot by MacArthur, you know, it's quite a... You know, all he's got to do is tip it over, but you know, he's still got to make that save. And you know, the criticism that we we've certainly been levelling at him is, you know, he doesn't make saves, and he and he has done in his defence. And he wasn't really tested against United, so he didn't really, you know, you can't really judge him on that. Um, but you know, the, he was definitely sort of put under it a little bit today. Um, and he, yeah, he's come up, he's come up trumps. So what can you say? I don't think he's anything he can do for the goal that we did concede. You know, Coutinho's a great finisher. He's one of the best finishers in the league, in my opinion. Um, well, yeah, yeah. No, that I mean, it's, that's to be honest with you. I'm probably going to get slated for this, but that's the only point that I would sort of pick up on. We're talking. He did make some great saves, but weirdly for the goal, it's quite close to his body. Now he's been hit from quite a close range, and it, you know, but it's a side foot. And those are the things that that I think we were talking about the other week, where where Patrick was observing the goal uh, that was knocked past him. Um, you know, uh, against was it by Jenkinson against West Ham? That was it. It was. It's very close to his body. There does seem to be a weakness there, in my view, anyway. But the like you say, the save from Coutinho, the the, the late save from the Benteke header that I was just talking about. Um, he got down to one low at his low at his right hand post late in the second half as well. It was a I think it was a cross from Moreno that was sort of um, didn't quite go where it was intended. Lots of little uh, sort of uh, intricate saves that I thought they weren't the sort of things I was expecting from him. 
Uh, and if he can keep doing that, I'll be very, very happy indeed. Because um, it has been a, a point of contention throughout the entire season. You know, who's who's the best goalkeeper? Who's the one who's going to take us forward? So I've got to say, as, as I know I've said, I, I personally I don't think there's much Hennessy can do about the finish because I think the ball slips through to Coutinho and no one's expected him to be there. It sort of takes a little touch of, I don't know who it is that tees it up. But it's our Lallana. Shape, our shape for that goal. Sort of looking back at it on the on the replays is pretty awful. The, the fact that the, the goal comes straight from our th- one of our throw-ins as well. We take yeah. a throw-in and then we don't touch the ball until we're picking it out of the net, which I think was quite disappointing. And we looked at sixes and sevens just a whack in a cliche there. I, I, um, yeah. our, ba- our back four only sort of gets into shape at the la- at the last second along the six-yard line, and by that point, it's it's too late. That that was disappointing for me. Yeah. No, look, it was um, it it was a uh, for me it. it that that goal kind of just sums up how we how we you know how the bad side of what we've been doing recently, and we're sort of moaning almost. We're always saying that we um, almost sounded like we didn't win the game, but trust me, we'll get onto the positive stuff in a minute. But you're you absolutely right to pick that out, Albert. I thought the same, and and for me, you know, Kelly to a point, and I know Ben wants to talk about Kelly, but for me, it's marking space and not marking a player again. You've got four people in a row. It's a nice little touch. Really is a nice little touch from Adam Lallana, but Coutinho has been stood on his own with no one near him for, you know, a good good minute or so in the build up to that goal. And I don't really understand what Kelly's doing when he runs across. I really don't. And yeah, very very frustrating to see. But um, go on, Ben. Let's you, you can continue that. Yeah, Kelly's at fault for me. Um, when the ball comes across, he's sort of caught, he's caught in no man's land in the way that Benteke is a little bit further forward and poignant. <laughs> he um, he sort of drifts in towards Benteke thinking that Benteke is going to get the ball the ball goes past him towards Coutinho and because he's on the front foot going towards Benteke he's not in a position to, to close down Coutinho uh, and as as you say Chris he's marking space and I don't know whose fault that is whether he should have had some help in there but he's almost marking two players and sort of gets caught out you've got to basically take your chances and go for one and he went towards Benteke. Benteke sort of dummies out of the way of it, and it gets to Coutinho's unmarked at the back post, and it's a sort of simple finish. But um, I don't know whether that's specifically Kelly's fault or whether there's sort of someone else who should be in there helping him. But yeah, it's a, it's very much a case of marking space and, and not picking up the right people in that box. Yeah, and look, you know, on another day we we could have paid the penalty for that. We really could, but um, you know, it, it wasn't to be. At that point, I did kind of fear the worst about the game. It's. It, it was only the presence of Steven Gerrard in the crowd that made me think we were going to win. Um. Also, uh, <laughs> that's really weird that you just said that because I've just seen a tweet uh, on, on Twitter. Standard, obviously, it's a tweet. It's on Twitter. Yeah. Um, I think that's Liverpool, how it works. Yeah. Liverpool, <laughs> fans, <laughs> Liverpool fans blame club legend after Palace defeat. The Steven Gerrard curse strikes again. Yeah, They've gone insane. They... <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny, look, because obviously you had that... Um, you know, it's always seemed to be something to do with Gerard when we're when we're beating them. Like I say, always the two times at Anfield we've now beaten them. He's he's been there as well. Um, I wonder if he was there as a kid when when we beat them. The only, no, he's probably probably a little bit too. Uh, too we are punching DJs. <laughs> You're punching DJs. That is uh, one of his hobbies, allegedly. Um, allegedly. Anyway, so yeah, no, I it's thought, on camera. It's, there's no, there's <laughs> it's no not allegedly, allegedly about that's, it. That's true, I can put a link up if you want. <laughs> 
Um, anyway, we did, we did seem a little bit shell-shocked after it went to 1-1. A little bit of a header from a corner. Uh, Hennessy saved that one on the line as well. And uh, just before half-time, Damien Delaney, uh, who was excellent alongside Scott Dan, but he had, a, he had one of the moments, so an absolutely bizarre miskick. Um, don't know quite what happened, whether the ball didn't bounce like he thought it was going to bounce or something like that, and that nearly cost us. But we managed to sort of scrape through to half-time at 1-1. And I have to say, I'm always confident when we get to, to half-time when we, when we need to do something. If we get in at half-time and we're, we're playing well, I always wonder what we're going to see in the second half. But if we're playing poorly, generally speaking, Pardew gets us, gets us sorted at half-time. Uh, and we came out on the front foot. And again, that's what's pleasing me. And, and I've got a, there's a quote from Alan Pardew that I'll, I'll bring up now. Um, he said that the problem with this team is we don't, doesn't trust how good it can be. When we went toe-to-toe, it was an even game. It needed to stay in that mode. And I mentioned that against, um, well, a bit against Leicester and certainly against, um, against West Ham, where we, we've been too negative. We've come out, um, you know, almost not, not looking for a draw, but looking to kind of sort of snatch a win by the odd goal or something like that. Whereas I think we always look better on the front foot when we're, you know, playing with confidence. And, and that was, um, it was positive to see. And uh, you know, half time. Um, but I think they probably go on then, Ben. Go on. I just think that extends to the fans as well in terms of not believing how how good a team we can be. At half time, I absolutely would have taken a point. And I said to my family uh, at this point, a one or Anfield, would you take a point? Everyone, one hundred percent, yes, of course I would. But I think we've, there has to be more of a belief that you can go out there and, and we've proved today that we can go and win at Anfield from being sort of one all at half time, having conceded before half time, sort of on the back foot a little bit. You, obviously you can come out and be complacent and, and sort of concede again but we were on the front foot as you say we were on the front foot and we looked brilliant in the second half and yeah, I think it, it goes all the way down to sort of fan level as well in terms of not quite believing how good a team we've got at the moment That's an interesting point I mean Albert no, do you, I don't do believe you, it No? What do you no, think? No, no, no I agree <laughs> what, what I liked at the second half is we, we, we pressed them much higher up the pitch and we were we were got a bit more in their, in their faces um, which is sort of Quite a nice counter because that's what you know. Klopp's quite famous for certainly at Dortmund. So I thought it was nice to sort of try and beat them at their own game rather mm-hmm. than soak up. And you know we are we are good on the counter and we can do that. But you know Liverpool as good as as good as their front. You know Benteke, Lana, Coutinho, they're all good attacking players. At the end of the day, they've still got a shite defence. Um, <laughs> and we and we've got the players to exploit that. You know. Yeah, you know, I think you said seeing seeing Lovren come on. That's you know that's almost an invitation to just go for it. <laughs> And yeah, well, Skirtle, I think, is still a liability. Um, and you know, I think Klein, 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 and Balassi was a good was a good battle all day. But um, you know, Klein, Klein gets forward. <clears throat> Excuse me. So there's there's going to be space behind him as well, and and Ibe as well. You know, they're they're, they're a very they're a very they're either got shite defenders or or defenders who really like to push on. And you know, we're the perfect team to exploit that. So I thought it was a good combination of you know, like I say, pressing them a bit higher up, and then. Mate, you know, and every now and then soaking up and trying to hit him on the break, and then yeah. that only got better when Conor Wickham came on for me. Yeah, I think so. Look, and I, I was, I thought, actually, thought looking at the way Liverpool do play with the fullbacks bombing on, particularly Moreno on, on the left hand side, I actually thought that was going to be a real problem for us. I thought that, um, you know, I, uh, he, they would push the wingers back. And for me, I say it probably, probably every week at the moment, you know, the wingers for us are all out there, and that's when. Whether we need to counter, they're the ones that need to carry the ball. Or if we're trying to play through the middle like we did quite a little bit, they're the ones who need to get up in support of the striker. Um, so for me, they're key. And, and when you've got a team that, that do bomb on, on the, in the fullback positions, I feel that we're almost at our worst there. So it, it, it was strange to me to see us actually go out and beat Liverpool the way we did. 
uh, in the end. But I think it again, and it does it does it for me. It comes down to attitude. It comes down to thing your fullbacks on rather than worry about it too much. Actually, we, we're going to get in that space behind you and worry you. And that's what we did better in the second half for certain. Just just that that was the difference for me. Um, but while we're um, well, but you know, on the, on the second half, Jason Punch and um, actually, you know, he had, a, he had a mixed game. He wasn't too bad. Um, but uh, again, we had a forward review that will come up to you later on, suggesting he, he needed a rest. And I think maybe that's the case with him because um, he did have the worst shot ever. It was it was up there with his penalty. <laughs> you remember it, Ben? Yeah, I mean, phys- I mean, literally, physically up there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> possibly uh, in, in a slightly different orbit, but. The, it's, you know, it could well collide the two two match balls. I don't know, but yeah, it was um, it was on his weaker right foot to give him some degree of um, support. His weaker right foot, as opposed to his other stronger right foot. How many right yeah. feet has he got? <laughs> you're doing your front legs, back legs thing again. I am. You're quite right, but I meant the weaker of his two feet, one of which is right and left, as you well know. As you're looking at it, or as he's looking. At it. <laughs> <laughs> Stop making it difficult. That's what she said. Um, that's what she said in my own sentence again. I don't think you can do that. No, I can't do that. I've got to stop doing it. Move on. Um, so, yeah, a little bit after that, Zaha. Um, again, we'll talk about him in a, in a bit more detail. An absolutely terrific run um, and played in Sacco. Must score, Ben, eh? Must score. I tell you, I'll go, yeah, well, definitely, yeah. But I'll go back to Wilf just quickly because he has absolutely no right to do what he does. He, he's uh, too. I'll go, yeah. <laughs> that was fantastic. Sorry. Don't worry about that. Carry on, Ben, as if okay. nothing happened. Yeah. As you've already heard me say twice, he had no right to win that. He, he, there's two Liverpool players in front of him. He's used his pace, he's used his strength, he's used his skill, and he's muscled them off the ball, managed to win it and, and kick on down the line, um, still beating him even when he's got the ball. Uh, and then what a ball in as well. It's sort of just everything. Everything that Wilf Zaha is good at was in that move in terms of winning the ball, making the run, creating space, getting the ball across. Uh, and yeah, Sacco is... It's, uh, I mean, there's a lot of pressure on him because he's very, very clear uh, one-on-one with the keeper and you've just got to hit the target there and potentially he's gone with his wrong foot. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, yeah, he should score, essentially. Yeah, simple as that. He, he should put it away or at least hit the target. Uh, and he hasn't, but oh well. Oh, well indeed. Um, it, do, it doesn't seem too bad now. And obviously it was one of the last things he did and you could tell he, um, tell he was pretty, um, pretty frustrated not to have scored. But great work from Zaha, wasn't it, Albert? Oh, he was fantastic. He was um, he was running them ragged all afternoon, and you know every, I, I paid more attention to the second half than I did the first. Um, but you, every t- every time he got the ball, there was at least two, sometimes three Liverpool players steaming towards him to try and just shut him off. And Klopp was going mad on the sidelines, trying to prevent him putting the balls in. And um, anyone want to say that's what she said or anything? Sorry, <laughs> you know, no, I wanted to. Ball, I was distracted. <laughs> Uh, but he was great, and you know, again, the, the, the one thing if that can be levelled at Wilf is the end product is sometimes lacking. And I thought today, when he got an opportunity to get the ball in, you know, most four times out of five he did that. And again, the, the ones that he didn't, it tended to be because there was, about, yeah, half the Liverpool team swarming him. And again, that often results in a corner, which I think brings us on, might bring us on to the to the goal at some point. Well, let's talk a little bit about. Wilf then actually um, in, in a general sense during the course of the week it was mentioned before the England squad was announced that he was in with a with a strong shout of getting back in now he didn't um, you know as once again Scott Dan didn't make it either and all that kind of stuff but um, 
you know, is is Wilf ready for England on on, the, on current form, Ben? Straight after the game, I tweeted that an England call-up beck, beckons, and I, it probably was a little bit heat at the moment. But I think in the last few months, I've sort of felt from a little bit in that, in terms of an England call-up, it was always Punching and Dan. They're the two players that everybody's talking about. If any Palace players are getting called up, it's Punching and Dan. When in fact, Wilf's the one that's been there before, uh, and he's the player that has actually played for England, albeit a, a very tiny sort of. Uh, I think he was in a friendly, and he only come on right at the end and didn't do much um, and got a bit of stick for it, but so difficult to come on in those situations and, and make an impact but the last couple of weeks I think he played brilliant against United last week um, and there's obviously a little bit of added motivation there his old club and everything that happened with that and then today he was excellent as well and I think we're just now seeing him sort of come back to that level that we saw before he left for United and it was always I thought before he left he was better than than, Will, uh, than Balassi and then he came back and Balassi had sort of kicked on in that year that he was away um, and sort of moved on to become a better player. And now I think Wilf sort of catching him up, and that, that would be a really good battle. You can include Saka in that as well, I think, in terms of wingers. Just all battling against each other because it's, it's such a big position that we rely on uh, you know, in the Palace team. Um, but it's exciting, and, and as, as a Palace fan, it's so great to, to watch Wilf now coming back to that level and, and impressing week in, week out. Yeah, mainly we when we uh, voted him into the ultimate twenty-five man squad, which um, see we're talking about uh, John Jackson in that a little bit later on um, in the show. But um, when we talked about Wilf in that, I, I sort of firmly nailed my colours to the mast on what I think of him. In that, you know, he's already been behind a significant part of of, of our re- recent history. You know, he's been absolutely a, a massive player, a big game player on a number of occasions. You know. And in some situations, you could argue that you know he's, he's won games all on his own. And for me, that's I would you, you can't. It's almost too much to expect him to do it every week. But I, I just I'd love to see him in full flight. And for me, he's so close to being there. Every now and then, you can see he, he kicks the ball a little bit further forward. And you know, Will for his absolute best doesn't make, even make that mistake. You know, he's, he's fully under control all, all of the time. But. Again, like like Albert said, it goes back to end product. And as he's maturing, as he's getting older, we're starting to see signs of that 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 is getting better and better. Um, I don't think I don't think at the moment there's anyone who gets close to him uh, in our team. And for me, the the Wilf, Wilf at full flight is there's there's not a player out wide that would would get ahead of him for England for me. But let's you know, I'm not saying that now is the right time, and that's the reason I asked the question the way I did. I think I think he needs. He needs consistency, uh, and that's what Pardew's been trying to get out of him. And you know, is approaching that the right way? So, but if we can, Yannick's shown signs as well. If we can get both of them flying, then then we really will be very difficult to stop. You can see it with Leicester because they they've got you know three or four players who are absolutely flying, and it's carrying the whole team. They're riding this sort of wave of confidence, and you know, doing an incredible job in the Premier League. And I think we're we're not far from that um, if we can keep people fit. That, that's that's my view on that one. So yeah, um, in terms of England, you know, I think it's coming. I think it's coming for Wilf, um, but hopefully, you know, give him a chance to continue to uh, improve his form. I think it's worth pointing out as well. Now that he's missed this this uh, England squad, it's a few months now until the next one. So that's almost a good thing in that he probably wouldn't make it if there was a squad to be announced next week. He still wouldn't make it. He's now got the whole Christmas period. Get through that. Keep performing well for Palace and. Uh, yeah, hopefully the next squad will be a lot closer, but there's uh, definitely a few months now before the next one, and, and he's got a real chance to sort of kick on and, and continue the way he's been playing. Mm, definitely. Uh, I just noticed we've got a couple of tweets in on uh, Jason Punch, who we mentioned a bit earlier on, Mark Dallimore saying, 
Uh, at least he's got some shots away this week, some glimpses of his old form. Um, but yeah, certainly for me, he still needs uh, a degree of, um, yeah, p- potentially a rest, something, something like that. Anyway, he's certainly being substituted a bit more often um, these days. Uh, Brummy Eagles have got in touch regarding Wilf. Wilf was magnificent, uh, best I've seen in ages. Whole team were fantastic. Even Kelly and Soiree was superb. Um, I'm looking at, I've already got a few, um, yeah. Also asking the question about internationals coming up next weekend, which Palace players should have been in Hodgson's squad. And um, I think Matt Atkinson saying what everyone else would be saying, which is Scott down without question. And when you look at the uh, competition he's got in the centre-back positions, it does seem odd that he's not involved there. So uh, thanks for your contact on that. Keep it coming in. Um, I think we've unfortunately lost Nick, so we can't uh, get too much from the chat room at the moment. But um, Albert, you've got some stuff to say. Yeah, I just wanted to follow on from that last tweet. I think it's quite something quite poetic that... In the days leading up around the England announcement, it was, oh, yeah, there's going to be a call-up for Dan and, and Zaha and yada, yada, yada. I think it's quite poetic that, obviously, the first game after that announcement's been made, they didn't get in that, arguably, to, you know, our match winner was Scott Dan and potentially our man of the match was Wilf Zaha. I think it's yep. quite a nice metaphorical two fingers up at Woy. Um, <laughs> Definitely. And, and I hope, I'm really hoping that that gets picked up on, you know, in, in a wider forum than this because... You know, you, it's a there's a lot to be said for having a, you know, for having a, a consistent squad at international level to build, you know, team spirit and all that kind of stuff. But you've got to reward the form players, and you've also got to think, you know, a little bit further ahead than that. It looks to me like Hodgson's looking. Um, I still, I still can't understand how Phil Jagielka gets in the squad ahead of Scott Dan. You know, it's not, it's not like Everton are a, a, a strong defensive unit. Um, you know, and the, and the guys. You know, at the wrong end of his career to be in an England squad all the time. It just seems odd. That and it's two friendlies as well. That's what that's what I think makes it even more disappointing. Even even if they didn't get any minutes or only got five minutes at the end of the second friendly, you yeah. know, th- there's not going to be many many more opportunities where you can just quickly test a player <laughs> and give a player an opportunity to make a case for a, a, a proper selection in a you know in a qualifiers squad or the or the final squad. And to, to be honest, I think it's. I, I'd like to think that Zaha and or Dan might get a shout before the Euros, um, but to be honest, the, the realist in me says we're not going to see it. It's going yeah. to take, take the next England manager, whoever that might be, certainly if it's Alan Pardew, to sort of step up and, and look at the next crop of players. Mm, let's not go down the route of it being, being Pardew. It's um, something that worries me. But um, yeah, I do, I do think, well, I don't, you know, I don't even think it's a brave choice anymore just to pick the Palace players, but there you go. Um, it, I can't. I, you know, I kept. I, I assume the best of. Um, you know, of Roy Hodgson. I, I thought. Thought given the opportunity to experiment, he would experiment. But he's just he's experimenting with, with different players. You know, Eric Dyer's got in there this time, and he's you know he's been decent for for Tottenham, although playing out of position in midfield. You know, Deli Ali's got his chance, and he he looks a quality player. But you know, he's nineteen years old. There's. I do wonder if there's not some more stab. You know, why why is it his opportunity and not someone else's? It just it really does worry me a little bit. But um, look, every squad, every squad, I've got hope that um, you know the best of our English players will get some recognition for England. But it's not happening. Ben, yeah, I just want to jump back really quickly. You mentioned I've got a question for you too. Actually, um, you said about Jagielka, and I think part of the reason that he is called up is is something to do with John Stones and the fact that they've got a partnership at Everton and sort of recreating that partnership at, at international level and they know each other well. Do you think, 
obviously in the summer there were some rumours about Scott Dan going to Everton. Do you think mm. if that move had gone through, he would be in the England squad now? Yeah, and I think I think he'd be playing ahead of Jagielka at Everton as well, alongside Definitely. Stones. You know, that's that's where it was going. You know, and if if you know whether or not whether or not the um, you know any offer was actually forthcoming, it seems to be in debate really. But I, I just don't know. I really don't. Um, I certainly think he's a better player than Phil Jagielka. And you talk about them being a partnership, and and that's why they're getting picked. Again, it's it's thinking short term. Stones Stones is a long term option at centre back for England. Phil Jagielka is not. So what's the point? Uh, Albert? The, th- the thing that sticks in, in my craw and it comes up every time, whether it's Punchin, whether it's Dan or Zaha, whoever, the thing that really resonates in my head is it was towards the end of end of last season. Um, again, I think it might have been a friendly, might have been a qualifier. Roy, Roy Hodgson went on, on record saying the reason that Nathaniel Klein didn't get in at right back over, I believe it was Phil Jones, is because he plays for Southampton. Um, and he, you know, he came out and he said that everyone was crying out for Klein. And I think Phil Jones had barely played for United at that point, and he, you know, he essentially stated that Jones was getting in over Klein because he plays for Man United. So, and you know, now now look, Klein's gone to a big fashionable club like Liverpool, and now he's the Basically. first choice right back. Yeah. Um, so you know that whenever these topics come up, who's oh does does X Y Z deserve a, a call up? Um, I sort of think, well, yeah, they do, but we know the manager looks at. What you, who you play for rather than how you play. Yeah. It was not that long ago I can remember someone, I can't remember, it might even have been Steve Parrish, but someone from within Palace descri- saying that the FA had described our academy at the time as a problem because they couldn't get the, the, sort of the biggest and brightest talents out of Palace to go and play at the bigger clubs. There's definitely big club bias uh, at the FA. And, it, it, you know, and again, it, the media attention, if, if uh, the England manager makes a mistake or doesn't pick a big name player you know is i can kind of think that doesn't help either that kind of pushes him uh, but we could do we could do an england podcast another time to be honest with you can um, i not be on that one <laughs> <laughs> i don't think i want to be on it um but yeah I, you know anyway um before that i was just talking about the fact that uh that sacco obviously just before he got subbed and hit the side netting when he really must score and that we we're perhaps a little lucky that we didn't get punished for that but you know at the same time Great run from Wilf, and that's that's what got us onto the subject of the England squad. Um, but it was an end-to-end game at that time. Benteke uh, headed over when he perhaps should have done a little bit better. Uh, then we brought Connor Wickham on. Uh, Punchin went close with a long-range shot. Zaha was causing so many problems. Uh, this was all just before we scored. But let, let's talk a little bit about Connor Wickham. I'm about to sneeze, so I might have to mute. So, um, uh, Ben, talk to me about Connor Wickham. <laughs> um, but to be honest, I didn't think he did an awful lot when he came on. It's a difficult role to take on when you you come on and Palace are in a good position and essentially you're just trying to hold on to a result. In fact, I think he did actually come on at one all. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, so he did, yeah. He's probably. I was saying to my dad, he's a bit of a lucky charm, really, because the last game he played, we beat Chelsea, uh, and then uh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, Sam's just said that he thought Wickham was class, and that's actually the point I was going to make. Some people have said that he was absolutely brilliant. And to be honest, well, I don't know whether I just wasn't looking at the right thing, but I didn't think he did an awful lot when he came on. And I'm I'm a big fan of his, and I do think he'll be a brilliant player for us in the future. Uh, and now that he's coming through, I think Sunderland and Newcastle are two huge chances for him. But I wasn't completely sold in his performance today. I mean, I'm I'm happy to be proved wrong in that respect if, if one of you guys thinks that he did well. Well, <laughs> um, I'm a massive fan of Conor Wickham as well. Uh, but I do think that there was a little bit of people seeing what they expected and wanted to see 
you know, basically over, people overstating it slightly. However, I don't think I don't think you're accurate in saying he didn't do much. I think when you when you look at what he did do, which was basically be a pain. He got up for, yeah. for every header. Uh, positionally, he was he was always in the right place. Um, and they, you know, even though obviously it was, a, it was a spell off the bench, he did not give Liverpool a moment's peace. And they had to, you know, he he kept he kept defenders in positions for Liverpool at a spell where they needed to push back because it wasn't long after he came on the pitch that um, that we went two one up. Albert, yeah, I'm I'm similar to you guys. I think I don't think he did anything particularly significant like like sort of Ben suggesting, but I agree that he didn't have to do a lot in that scenario to be effective, especially when you're playing up against, as I've already mentioned, shocking centre-half like Skirtle and Lovren. Um, he, didn't, he didn't have to do much to sort of keep them busy. And, and there was definitely a moment where he looked, he, he did look rusty. I'll give him that, you know, but, you know, nine games out, coming back off an injury, you know, you're not going to be Matt Sharp. And I think there was a point where he, I can't think who he tried to play through. He tried to play in, I think it was either Zaha or, or Punchin, can't remember. And he, yeah, completely sort of mistimed the ball and, you know, looked like an opportunity wasted. But as you said, Chris, he was, he was positionally, he was spot on. He was all, he was always under the, you know, the out ball that was coming, coming long from the back. He was always there or thereabouts underneath it. Didn't necessarily win it, but was there challenging. And, you know, all things considered, that's all you can expect him to do really in that, in that um, scenario. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we keep him fully fit, and you know that you know this, we've we've seen what he can do. Again, he was very good when he came against Norwich in the first game of the season, like you said, Albert against Chelsea. But Ben actually, to be fair, against Chelsea was he was he was absolutely top class um, before the calf injury that's kept him out for, which I believe is nine games he was out for. So good to ease him back in, but um, he's someone who gives us a different dimension. And to be honest, that's the the, the sort of uh, discussion I was having with uh, producer Sam during the course of the game, who, who's chimed in in our chat here, saying that he's. Wickham held the ball up well, managed to give us somewhere to go to better than Sacco slash Balassi at centre forward by a million miles. And uh, well, well, so I do think Sam's overstating that. And like I say, in terms of the way we play, I'm not sure I want to see us going long all the time because it is only a, a percentage ball, as I mentioned earlier. But he he certainly, you know, as a centre forward, as an out and out centre forward, playing centrally, holding the ball up, moving play around, and genu- and you think about um, how much people love Glenn Murray. For me. Wickham is actually a very similar type of player, not just the stature, but he's much cleverer on the ball than people give him credit for. But he's also he's very, very young and still learning. Um, go on, Ben, you think you've got some uh, good quotes there? Yeah, you mentioned about Wickham, both of you actually mentioned about how he was just a nuisance and, and causing problems for them. And immediately when you say that, you think the likes of Diego Costa, who does that job so well, although he's an idiot, um, <laughs> he, he does it well and that's... I think it was in Pardew's pre-match press conference, I think it must have been on, on Friday. Um, I've got some quotes here about Conor Wickham, uh, sort of saying that he needs to be a bit more like Diego Costa and Christian Benteke and, and sort of use them as inspiration. And it's quite interesting. He says, we've really missed Conor. We've lost him since we beat Chelsea. And I think his presence through the middle has been a factor in us not getting more points than we've got. But he hasn't got that centre-forwards job nailed down and he needs to understand what Costa does, what Benteke does, what Giroud does for, well for Arsenal. If he can add a bit of that to his game, his pace and technique that he has, then we'll have ourselves a great player, but he's still learning. And he talks about the modern centre-forward and the fact that if you were... If you had a sort of a blank canvas and you were creating this perfect centre forward in for the modern game, he's almost it in the fact that he's six foot two, he's he's big, he's strong, he's powerful, he's good in the air. 
and that's almost exactly what we need. Um, and hopefully, as I said on a couple of occasions, these next couple of games he'll hopefully get his first goal and, and be able to kick on and, and hopefully be a really, really good player for us because he's on a long-term deal as well. Yeah, well, no, that's that's exactly it, and that's why I, I was so excited when we, we finally signed him because we've been linked with him for so long. You know, when he came through at Ipswich, I suppose in a way he might have been a little overrated because he, sort of, he was a big unit very, very early on. He came through at 16 years old, but he was already physically up to... To playing at first team level against men, you know, and and people at times they can get ahead of themselves when a player like that comes through. But the spell at Sunderland, people forget that you know he, that he was pushed out wide and he was playing the sort of wide left in a front three, and you know occasionally doing very very well. But as as Pardew ultimately out, playing for Sunderland, yeah, exactly, <laughs> ultimately playing for Sunderland, and that's yeah, that's that's um that's setting back a bit in my view. He, he's actually well behind. Where, he, where I expected him to be when I, I saw him very early on. Because, I, I, again, I've said this before, and I don't want to say I think he's as good or anything like that, but when he came through, I thought he was he was going to be like the new Alan Shearer. He had that kind of build, back to play with, the, with his back to goal. It was kind of a natural thing, but, you know, he's got a hell of a shot on him as well. Um, he had all those sort of, all those little, all those elements to his game that you thought, yes, he's going to be a top striker. This guy's going to play for England. You know, he's got. He's actually pretty pacey as well. I mean, I'm you know gushing here with praise, but oh, that's the wrong way of putting it. But anyway, I don't mean like that. <laughs> but honestly, he's got like Pardew says, he's got all the attributes. If you were going to kind of design the the perfect striker, but one thing he's got to do, he's got to start getting shots on target and getting goals, and um, that's that's the next step for him. Ben, did you want to speak again? Yeah, just quickly. I think it's not a situation dissimilar to to Wilfred Zaha in the fact that. He he did so well at Ipswich and Wolf did so well at, at Palace and they both moved on and sort of had their development stunted by by a period of sort of struggle. You say Wickham was played out wide, uh, Wolf didn't get a run of games and now they're sort of you've almost got to train them to get back into the right mentality and, and sort of uh, back back to the way they were previously. And I think now if you play Wickham through the middle, seven million pounds is a lot of money. There's, there's sort of quite a bit of pressure on his shoulders. Um, but as we're seeing with Wilf now, sort of getting back to his best, hopefully we can sort of create that that Ipswich type player uh, out of out of uh, Wickham and and get him back to the level that he was there. Yeah, definitely. And funnily enough, I think he would have actually benefited in the long, in long term from playing uh, out wide out of position because you know that forces you to to think a little bit more about you know passing and, and movement and that kind of stuff. I think that will in the long run stand him in good stead, but. Like you say, it's about consistently playing in, a, in the centre positions. And if we can keep him fit, because obviously he's been out a long, long while, and if he plays two games and he's injured again, you know, we're, we're, we're not really seeing the benefit. And that's going to be, that's the worry for me. Uh, and I don't want to be neg- too negative about it, but he's going to have to, you know, play sort of 10 games in a row before I feel a bit more comfortable about, um, about him long term. So anyway, there plenty of praise coming for, for Connor Wickham, and rightly so. Um, it's nice to see him back in back in the lineup and again he played came off the bench so there's a bit he was playing against like a tired defense if you see what i mean so let's not get ahead of ourselves but certainly happy um yeah be good so um yeah where we sort of stopped off in the game um was just before the goal and i didn't they they had been threatening from their corners liverpool they'd got a couple of free headers and our corners just seemed to go long and either be caught by the goalkeeper or you know, in the first half, I mean, and or, you know, and again, crossing generally was quite poor from us. So I didn't think the goal was going to come from a from a corner. Obviously, Punchin had just gone off uh, to be replaced by hmm, 
someone. Ledley. <laughs> Ledley, thank you very much. So, um, but yeah, the, when the corner came in, it was, um, I think we'd actually, just before that, Dan had got free uh, from another from another set piece, but he got completely free, not great leap as we've seen before from him. He's about 6'5 anyway, I think. Um, fantastic header. Um, well saved by Mignolet, but the follow-up was just, even, there's just top corner. There's, you know, there's no stopping it. And, um, Absolutely delighted to see it, and uh, yeah, I mean we, he's been a goal machine for us before, but uh, just just a top top moment. I don't know what else. To, I don't want to ask you about that other than did you enjoy it? But of course you enjoyed <laughs> it. It was, it was it was a great goal, wasn't it? Um, was it coming though, Ben? Did you think we were actually were we threatening? Um, well, yeah, I, I think so. I, when it's at one or when you come out for the second half, you sort of think you know it, it's difficult to to kick on and get a win, especially sort of getting into that latter stage of the game. Um, and sort of defensive-ish changes, and you're almost playing for a point, really. Um, but to get that opportunity was was fantastic, and it couldn't have been more in the corner. It was literally right up that in that top corner, uh, and fantastic for for Scott Dan to to get it because, as we've said earlier in the show, he's been absolutely fantastic and sort of a rock at the back with with Delaney and deserves a goal certainly. And and a big moment for him with his sort of previous being from Liverpool and, and things like that, Liverpool fan. Um, which a lot was made of actually in, in sort of the post-match stuff, uh, but yeah, fantastic moment and uh, yeah, wild sort of uh, celebrations from me in my living room. Yeah, uh, we're both overusing the word fantastic again, Ben. Let's not oh, draw really? attention to it though. Well, okay. I think I said Don't it twice it. and you said it twice there in quick succession. <laughs> Albert, uh, what particular um, adjective would you use to describe the goal? Fantastic. <laughs> um, uh, good. Yeah, good. Winner. <laughs> Winning. Winning goal. It was a winning goal, yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought, um, like you're saying, did, did we deserve the goal? Was it coming? I thought it was a real, real end-to-end game at that point. Um, and there was, you know, the, we've already discussed the, the Sacco chance before, and I think Goodbye had a. I'm pretty sure Goodbye had a really good chance as well. It's a bit of a snapshot, but expect a player like that to do a bit better with it. And then, was that when he dragged it wide? He did drag it wide, yeah. um, to use a footballing term. Um, but the goal, yeah, I, th- I thought. I, the, the the stream I, I was watching it on, um, despite calling itself HD, was very stop start and um, sort of I'd say middle of the road definition. So it was kind of hard to um, I, I couldn't work out what happened with the goal. To be honest, I thought someone had flicked it on and then Dan had got to it. But seeing it back is it's, it's great awareness to sort of you know sort of be on the end of that that save really and you know never get another going. Um, really sort of accurate and as Ben said, it was you couldn't you couldn't have thrown it into a better position. Ben's got some stats coming up, but uh, just before I say that, I think one of the other factors in um, in us scoring that goal was was Liverpool actually went with a fairly attacking substitution. They took Emre Chan off and um, placed him with Firmino, who was actually for some reason was was trying to mark Dan at that corner. Now he was much much better than Can going forward. Chan going forward, he called him Emre Can. It's Emre can't. Emre can Yeah, I was yeah. going to say placing him with a Cornish pasty would have been a, an attacking <laughs> substitution. <laughs> Exactly, um, but yeah, I think that was also key, a key moment in because he, he lost Dan completely, and also, yeah, obviously didn't didn't even challenge for the secondary header as well. So yeah, there you go. That, that's what I picked up there. Uh, ben, stat attack, please. Match winner Scott Dan blocked more shots three than any other player in the Premier League in match week twelve. I dislike your accent. It's a new feature. It's, it's called stat attack, and uh, every now and again, I'll just jump in with a, a brilliant stat that shows how good we are. Do you think it's... next time you could try it in an American accent? <laughs> <laughs> nice. I've got, I've got another one, but we will save it for later. 
No, no, All do right. it now. No, okay. I, I, yeah, I kind of. Do you want it in? I'll just do it in my normal accent. Uh, Wilfred Zaha successfully completed more take-ons nine than any other Premier League player this weekend. So two, Good we're stuff. top of the class in two different respects. There. The second one was more American than the first one. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I like that. Uh, going back to, we're talking about Conor Wickham, uh, Brummy Eagles got in touch once more saying he was laughing in the last minute when uh, uh, those that he's watching on a stream or on TV uh, in another country would have noticed that Pardew was shouting, get a foul, Conor, to Conor Wickham, uh, who then promptly gave away a foul. So <laughs> it was, um, was a fairly amusing moment, definitely. Um, but yeah, it was great. It was obviously great to go to one up and... Um, I think again, you're, you're sort of you're worried about what the reaction's going to be, and and Liverpool did try their best, but I think if anything, it was it was still, I think Pardew describing it as toe to toe was right. Palace was still attacking, um, you know, Wickham still giving that presence up top, uh, but yeah, we, you know, Liverpool obviously had a, a couple of opportunities. There's an interesting one I've written: Jordan Dibe could by mean like dive, but it hasn't really worked. It looks better written down, to be honest, um, mm. but he did dive. Uh, did you see it, Ben? Penalty, um, penalty area dive? No. Who? What? Who tackled him? No, I don't know. No, I didn't see it. Sorry. I think it was. <laughs> I think it was. Um, it might have been Soiree. Yeah, it was in that area. Might have been right. anyone. Else. It could have been anyone else, but it might have been Soiree. Alright, let's say it was Soiree. <laughs> Soiree, you shit. <laughs> but no, in all seriousness, um, hang on, I've just seen a stat there that Jordan I got Sky's man of the match. Uh, if there's ever a player that the commentators were just overrating massively, it's Jordan Knight. Mm. He had, you know, he was he was very much attacking minded, but you know, in, in terms of the actual success rate of what he did, was it was it any higher than Will Zaha? Was it any higher than even Yannick? Well, no, according know? to Ben's last stat, I believe yeah. the feature is called Stat Attack. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't, was it? So why does the uh, you work Liverpool Sky, Ben sometimes, don't you? Uh, y- yes, but I am not. I don't share their view that he was man of the match. I do think he's a very good player, though. I have to say, there's a. Do you see the brilliant moment midweek in their Europa League game? Klopp absolutely loves him when he ran on the pitch. He was going, "I be, I be." You're so good at accents. Tonight. I know. Yeah, I'm. Oh, see, I'm I can't myself, believe we don't have you on terrible. more often, Ben. This, this is brilliant. It's a brilliant. It's only for the accents. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Hennessy was still called into action as we mentioned earlier on that save from Coutinho. Um, you know, he really got hold of the ball. It was, it was a great tip over. So very, very positive stuff from there. Uh, quite late on, Jordan Much came on for Kabai. Much, you know, all he did was, was occupy space and, you know, got back defending quite well. So not, we can't really judge him on the, on the time he was on the pitch. But what we can talk about was how Johan Kabai absolutely ran himself into the ground. Um, every week we could do a little feature on just how, how much Johan Kabai does. And we talked about him at the top of the show, Ben. Yeah. Yeah, we're not going to now. Oh, oh no, I mean, could we? As could in, we? Can we do that, please? Uh, we'll, we'll talk about it during the week, shall we? See if we can <laughs> set something up. Uh, don't know what we'd call it. Can you ever little think about some witty thing to call it while I talk? Uh, a bit it would more? need Ben to do a French accent. That's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> it would, that's true. Yeah. Um, no, goodbye, honestly. Goodbye, my lover. Yeah. Oh. Goodbye, my lover. No, no, no. no. <laughs> goodbye, my uh, all right. Fine. It was good, wasn't he? <laughs> uh, no, honestly, uh, brilliant, brilliant stuff from him. And mainly, as I mentioned earlier, we won't go over old ground. It was just the defensive work he did for me. Um, and in setting the tempo for the team made a huge, huge difference. But we, yeah, anyway, Palace held firm and all that, maintained the threat. Zaha, Balassi and, and Wickham, those three combining really up the right end of the pitch to, um, to you know, keep the ball 
away from the Palace Danger area for quite a lot of the um, you know the time that's remaining in game and, and the four minutes of added time. And in the end, you, you sort of got to it and you feel it, it was a deserved win. You felt that you know the team was properly competing. They built on the Man United display. You know, and there are good signs that, that another run of form might be coming our way now. Now we talked about Wayne Hennessy and and Wilfred Zaha. I suppose a little negative. Suarez was mentioned. Um, uh, in the communication we've received, I think it was a tweet we got. Um, but I felt he said, I've got a little worry about him stopping crosses. I've also got a little worry about uh, Ke- uh, Kelly stopping crosses. And it was interesting to hear the, the shouts from the bench in the second half of stop the cross, stop the cross, and, you know, for both fullbacks. It's something we've got to get better at because, um, you know, when Dan and Delaney had an absolutely terrific game, which we'll talk about in a minute, um, but but they really, you know, Liverpool's threat did come from crosses, and Benteke probably should have got uh, got a couple more on target. Thoughts on uh, on on that, Benjamin? Well, uh, so what, was uh, the, what was the question? What was the question? You were paying attention to something else, weren't you? Yeah. Talk about the fact oh, you know we're not very good at stopping crosses, in my view, and and Suarez guilty of that, as is, is Martin Kelly. Uh, I feel it's something we have to work on. Do you feel the same? Yeah. No, I do. Yeah. There's. I mean, there's always going to be weakness, isn't there? And I think that is probably one of. One of ours with with Pulis, that was something that was so we, we were so focused on, like set pieces and and clearing the ball away and and, and that sort of thing. And I think mm, maybe it's lapsed a little bit, but yeah, I think you can't really fault the the two centre backs, especially. I know you said you were going to move on to them in a minute, mm. um, but yeah, I thought that, yeah, it probably is a weakness. To be fair, it's not something that I I would have picked out necessarily straight away and, and said no, that's something we need to work on. But you know, if you I suppose if you think about it, yeah, it is something that that needs to be sorted. But today. Scott Dan and Damien Delaney were both fantastic. They were, they were indeed fantastic, Ben. Overusing oh, that word, even again. though I brought attention sorry, to sorry, sorry, uh, like you are that. overusing that word. Um, no, it, it, it is a very good word. It's a good superlative. I call I'm it use magnificent from now. Um, but those two, um, those two, very. I was just having a quick look on the BBS about the Man of the Match reports to see um, see where that was going. Uh, we'll, I'll reveal that a bit later on. But certainly, they've got some votes, um, Dan and Delaney there. Um, and I, I, you know, as much we were, it's not that long ago we were talking about Hangland and how he, had, you know, got himself in the team and shouldn't be dropped. But then uh, he had that little howler against Leicester, and and then he's now out of the team. But um, I'm just, you know, obviously he's there to provide support if we need it. But Delaney had a little moment, but that's, it's a much more, you're much more comfortable with them as a centre back partnership, wouldn't you say, Albert? Most definitely. Um, Delaney gets in over Hangland for me all the time. I'm. I'll fully hold my hands up to say that I wasn't sure about Hangeland and yeah, you know, he did certainly had a run of games prior to his aforementioned howler that um, made me question whether he should be first choice. But you know, he is—he's a bit—he's just that bit bigger, just that big sl- bit slower and older than Delaney and um, Delaney and Dan. Just just seem to have a you know a really good partnership. You know, they they know how to hold the line together and, and, you know, they seem to know what each other's thinking. If one doesn't get there, the other tends to. Um, so, yeah, for me, it's, it's, it's Damo all, all the way. Definitely. Um, okay. Just uh, quickly, um, bed, yeah. yeah, really quick point. Um, Albert said he wasn't sure on Hangland. I have to admit, I have to hold my hands up and say I wasn't sure about Delaney. When we first got promoted, I wasn't sure he could make the step up to, to be a proper Premier League defender and a, a decent Premier League defender at the stand that we needed. But his game has moved on. Even at the age that he's at, he's sort of 34 now. He's, he's getting on a little bit. And uh, I think he's just getting better and better as a player. And that partnership with Dan is, is also getting better and better. Um, but it's not fantastic. It, it's another word. It's, maybe it's magnificent. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, fantastic. And I think it helps as well. Oh, I just said it then. 
it helps. It helps um, that they just seem to be good mates as well. Just I think off off the pitch, and you see them in in training in the videos that, that Palace post online. I think they just get on as well as as people, and sort of um, that definitely helps in terms of creating a partnership and and something that can can be brilliant going forward this season. Uh, tweet in from Lucy. Uh, often on this show, you'll realise. <laughs> um, has she saying, has she mentioned that she's loved that she loves Damo? I think you've probably mentioned it once or twice. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so look, I again, Hangland, you know, was deserving of his place at the time, and it's exactly what you're saying, Ben, about how you weren't sure that Delaney was up to it. Almost, we talk. Everyone sort of says it in the summer. Who's who's the Delaney replacement? Well. You don't necessarily need one if he carries on like he is, and you wonder you wonder how long it will go on for. You know, you kind of think at some point nothing lasts forever, Chris. No, nothing lasts forever. You're right, you're right Albert, to tell me that in a breathy, sexy voice. Um, <laughs> be more solemn and a bit more poignant. It just came out a bit pervy. <laughs> it really did. Yeah, yeah. Gonna play that one back to myself later on tonight. I don't know why did I say it like that. Oh, I've got problems. Anyway, um, so uh, yeah, okay. It was a great performance from those two, but was it enough uh, for Man of the Match? Um, obviously, when we get in touch with your Man of the Match, do tweet at HOL Radio. We can even email us, contact. Uh, ooh, I nearly gave that away. Go to holradio.net forward slash contact instead to contact us. Um, so if you've got a view on who the Man of the Match is, uh, also if you want to get in touch regarding the votes, uh, the voting situation for the Ultimate 25-man squad feature, which is coming up in just a moment. John Jackson... Jackson, <laughs> Jackson John Jackson. John Jackson. John Jackson oh, is the goalkeeper being voted on. HOLradio.net forward slash vote to get your vote in, whether you want to in or bin. Uh, but we'll come into that in just a moment. John Jackson. As read by Sean Connery. <laughs> yeah, Sean. Yeah. Uh, John Jackson. No, so just to say quickly, you know... Um, we talked about my terrible accents. Uh, yep. I heard something really funny earlier. Um, obviously, I watched it on a stream, and my stream was American, and it was terrible because they kept they kept saying Alan Pardew. Yeah, Pardew. It was, it was well, steady. steady. Patrick O'Guiner often refers to Pardew. Pardew. He's uh, he's been Americanized in his time there, but um, it was killing me. Sorry, yeah. Patrick. Yeah, you you were you on here. You've not been on for ages. Walks on here and you start mugging off someone who's on pretty much every week for the way he talks. Patrick, really knows. Patrick knows I love him. I'm a huge fan of Mr. Patrick O'Connor. Yeah, not huge fan enough to actually listen to the podcast as you've now proven yet again. I hate you, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, man of the match. So to uh, reveal what was happening uh, on the BBS, well, I put my vote in. I went for Wilfred Zaha. We've talked about how good he was and he has got 70 Point nine three percent of the, the votes that he's got two hundred and five. Next nearest challenger was Scott Down with thirty one, and then Damian Delaney with twenty eight, and just a handful of votes elsewhere. Uh, five coming in for Hennessy, which is interesting. Six in for Bellassi. I thought Four Kavai... of those from Wayne Hennessy. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. Um, any any sort of uh, disagreement there, lads? Albert, who was your man of the match? Wilfred Zaha. Yeah. Benjamin. Yeah, I completely agree with exactly how that's gone, actually, in terms of Zaha being first and then Dan and, and Delaney afterwards. Um, but yeah, Wilf, for me, not not even just today, I think uh, last week as well was brilliant and he's sort of really kicking on. Um, but yeah, certainly man of the match for me today. Yeah, being off form player for sure. And um, 
yeah, again, just a just excellent performance. Really hope he starts getting the proper attention as well. Uh, Nick Philpot is still stuck on the fudging A406. <laughs> My man of the match, Scott Dan, goal machine. So I vote for Dan there. Uh, got any more in? Uh, Kelly's best game by best game today is a forward review by uh, Mark Salisbury. Actually, not too bad. Uh, not bad a point there, really. Kelly was was strong. I thought he was actually good last week as well. Against, Big game uh, for Kelly as well. Obviously, Liverpool boy going back there and, and playing, so it's a sort of added inspiration for him to play well. But yeah, I did think he was good today. Uh, Nick's recommending we use the uh, the superlative "awesome" next time. <laughs> we need to describe something rather than the word "fantastic." Well, we'll see. So we feel, you know, my go-to word is often fantastic, and, and Ben stole that a long time ago, and is still using it. So. It's because I listen to the podcast so much, Chris, and that, you that say must it so be, often. Must be what it is, yeah. Yeah. Not enough to hear Patrick O'Connor say "pardu." <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway, uh, so there you go. That's uh, man and match votes coming in there. If you've got any views on that, we'll come back to that a little bit later on. But uh, next up, I think we've got a quick message, and then we'll be getting into the ultimate twenty-five man squad feature. Got something you'd like to get off your chest? Tweet us now at Whole Radio. Four word reviews. Tim Green, Scott Dan, Gold Machine. Kizza Bailey, Bet Liverpool lover. Benjamin Watts, Scott Dan for England. Mark, Mark Delamore, found ourselves a goalkeeper. James Sorby, play them every week. Burhead Diady, I've heard of him. Palace Shop, Clops, Flops. Peter Locke. Damn you, Scouse Beauty. Simon King, beat the bin dippers. Grant Gillard, sure I've heard of him as well. Another three on Merseyside. Ian Baker, punch needs a rest. Tony Pierce, what a difference, Wickham. Edward Porter, Veer, Gervinning, Gagan, Gagan Presson, which translated means we beat press against. <laughs> good, good work. Terry Lamport, clock clipped by Eagles. Chris Waters says, who is Jurgen Klopp? And a special one from Patrick O'Connor, all the way from the USA, recorded on our app. Another Murdified win. Woo! Review the game next week by tweeting hashtag forward review to at Whole Radio. The all-time Palace 25-man squad. Tweet us your suggestions and we'll choose in or bin. It is ultimate 25-man squad time. And, uh, well, it is John Jackson. It is uh, one of the vacant goalkeeping positions. Uh, so far, we have got uh, Nigel Martin in one of those positions. John Jackson we voted on today and will be Julian Speroni. Next, no doubt, judging by the voting, but we'll see. Uh, you know, maybe you'll surprise me. Maybe it'll be, I don't know, uh, Matt Clark or something like that. Um, so, yeah, you've got a chance to go to hlradio.net forward slash vote to in or bin this suggestion. Now, it's going to be a difficult one because I would say probably no one on the panel tonight has seen John Jackson play unless they've got some kind of time machine or something like that. Um, so, I mean, really all you can do is judge by, you know, the number of games that he's played, levelly played them at, and just what people people you trust um would say about him in terms of as a goalkeeper but uh there's a lot of you know when we talked about nigel martin there's a lot of people saying you know because we took him as, as their best ever goalkeeper he was the first one to be voted in to the squad and even then a lot of people saying you know nigel was great but was was not up to the to the level of um you know the level of 
<laughs> John Jackson. My brain's just going completely mentally. Um, so again, I don't know how whether I'm going to vote in or bin really because I I find it difficult to talk about you know whether to vote someone I've never seen play into an Ultimate Squad. But really, so I'm looking to you listeners to provide me some insight if you can. Uh, I'm sure it's going to be the same for you, Ben. But any kind of a thought process you can reveal for us? Yeah, I mean, as you say, I haven't seen him play. Um, he was he was at Palace 1964 to 1973, so it's a little bit before my time. But you. I mean, he's fourth on, on the list of all-time Palace appearances with 388, which is meant to us a, a huge amount of appearances. Spurring is on 349, uh, that's sort of to, to give you a little bit of um, sort of uh, an idea of what, what that is. Um, he was at Palace for a long time, and, and by all accounts, he was a fantastic, fantastic player for us. Oh, my God, I've said it twice in one sentence. Yeah, I mean, like one, one after the other, fantastic, yeah, fantastic. Um, I mean... Can I just ask you before you go any further? Does <laughs> yeah. stacking the word "fantastic" make is it an emphasis of how good um, are they more fantastic, or are you also, just something that I learned at uni? You're mm. not even meant to say "fantastic" because "fantastic" is sort of fantasy. And Julian, uh, sorry, John, John Jackson wasn't fantastic. In oh, so he existed. So you would have yeah. to say "marvelous" or yeah. or "excellent." Yeah. So, uh, fantastic awesome. in in every respect that we've used it has been wrong today. That's upsetting, isn't it? But if none of us saw John Jackson, is that what, fantasy? Did he, was he really there? <laughs> if a John Jackson there. falls over in the forest and none of us ever saw him play, should he be in the Ultimate 25 men squad? That's a really good question. Uh, anyway, so uh, John Jackson, he did play, obviously, in, in the top flight for Palace um, for a spell. Uh, was promoted, not that I'm reading this off of Wikipedia or anything like that, but <laughs> promoted in the 68-69 season. Um, like you say, Ben, 348 appearances, did you say it was? Um, I said something like that, yes. Yeah, um, it's an awful lot of appearances. 388. Yeah. Um, never played for, for for the full international team for England, played in the youth, in a youth team. Apparently in 1971 was picked for a, a Football League eleven. Which whatever that was, uh, but um, oh yeah, played for the football league against the Scottish league in 1971. What an amazing thing that must have been! But a lot of people talking about obviously the best goalkeeper never to have played for England. Um, some of the the older generation that I've spoken to. Um, so again, he got a, he got a lot of votes, a lot of votes in, and, and was ahead of Spironi, which was a surprise. Um, so again, I, it's hard for me to say what I would pick, but um, I'm going to give Albert a chance to show his working. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. I've got, I'm, I've just, got. I'm just, I'm just re- reluctant to. Um, I don't like binning players who are quite clearly legends, but I've never. I'm, I'm quite. I'm quite firm on, uh, like you saying, can't can't really comment on someone I didn't see. Um, and if my dad was here, I'd ask him, but um, he's not. Sadly, I mean, he's not dead. He just doesn't live with me. Um, oh, okay. So. Yeah, I'd, yeah. The appearances obviously is a major, major factor, and I know amongst the, the older fraternity of of Palace fans, he's he's massive. Um, uh, well, when you talk about the older fraternity, I think what we're going to have to do is going to have to get hold of get old get hold of some Freudian slip. There is one. Uh, get get hold of one. Um, oh, I can hear a ringing sound. I wonder what that's going to be. Is it Nookie Bear? <laughs> it is. Corbett. Well, kind of. It's actually um, get more sense out of Nookie Bear. Yeah. Hello. It's, actually a, it's actually a gentleman I refer to as Wurzel Punnage. It's Nick Gillard. Wurzel Punnage, I'll, I'll have you, Butler. How are you, all right? What have I missed? Yeah. Plenty. I feel booted. 
Yeah, I don't know. Technology, mate. Technology hates Fresh blood. Today. Fresh blood. Yeah. Anyway, early, Nicholas, we're talking, uh, we're talking about uh, John Jackson, and uh, we really need an opinion from a man who knows. He was he was the generation before me, really. <laughs> but, oh, well, what good next you caller. Know? Next no, caller. But, <laughs> but, but my dad spoke about him. With, so he, he said he was one of the best keepers he'd seen. And not anywhere, not just at Palace. And my dad was a goalkeeper when he played football anyway. He had trials for two in a mixture, would you believe? But that's another story. Um, so he knew his goalkeeping. And, um, yeah, he, he, he just said John Jackson was one of the best. Even when Nigel Martin was playing for us, he said Jackson was better. So I've, I've got to win the bloke just on my dad's advice, really. Yeah. But he, he, he made a lot of appearances in, in uh, three different divisions, I think, for us. But he was he was legendary. Um, he got the nickname Stonewall, I think, which meant a much different thing at the time. What was that much different? Oh, I suppose, yeah. Inspired by the Confederate general from the American Civil War, apparently. Are you looking at Wikipedia, Mr. No. Handling? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so, so John Jackson's an in for me. The definite in. All right, Nick. Mm. Thanks, mate. All right. Cheers, buddy. Take care. Bye. Bye. There you go. Got an invote there. I mean, to be honest with you, all the uh, Gordon and Gordon, you can you can rescue this apparently. Yes, then. I'm going to rescue it because I've I've got some actual comments from Palace fans on John Jackson. The uh, Homes Down Online, which obviously if you listen to this, you'll know what it is, has a player database, and there are comments on John Jackson there, and I can tell you some stories about him that will uh, give people who haven't seen him a little bit of a, an idea of uh, who he was. So. Derek Kerry Vernon says, I've always been a massive admirer of John Jackson. I remember him at Goodison in a one-all draw. Joe Royal scored a fantastic goal from 30 yards. It had to be special to beat John Jackson. John Jackson performed save after save, only for Mel Blythe to equalise for Palace. As a 12-year-old, everyone... Uh, that doesn't make any sense. Right, next one. This is a good story, right? <laughs> Alan Davidson says, He saved a ball that was coming across the face of goal and an opposing player crashed into him. Jackson was knocked out, but all the time he was unconscious, he was still holding the ball. I had the feeling it would have been impossible to prise the ball out of his hands even then. Total dedication. He certainly would have played for England if he'd been with the top team. A few others just say, my favourite Palace goalkeeper of all time, deserve more. Um, Andrew Fawcett said, I used to joke that he was the best goalkeeper in the first division because he had the most practice. And Len Rhodes says, a vital component in our 1969 promotion team. So uh, that's from a few Palace fans from the older generation, just a, few, a couple of little stories of... of just what John Jackson was like as a goalkeeper. There you go, and that's, that's, that's great to hear. We've had plenty of votes coming in on hlradio.net forward slash vote. Uh, we'll be seeing what the listeners say in just a minute, but um, I'm going to get your final votes from, from you guys. Uh, I'll start with you, Ben, based on what you've heard, uh, your general feeling and looking at the stats. What do you think? Yeah, as I say, just for purely the amount of appearances that, that he made, 388, and, and being at Palace are a huge part of our history and, and promotions and and just from what other people have said, it's it's got to be an in for me because he, he's a Palace legend through and through. Uh, a few votes coming in on Twitter. You have to go to hlradio.net forward slash vote for your vote to count. Probably chuck it in anyway. Uh, Stephen Morris has said, oh, an indefinitely a great keeper. Um, I noticed that Doug Tippett is complaining, saying there's nothing wrong with the older Palace fans. Of course there isn't. You know, there's, Well, actually, no, there's something quite wrong with Nick, but it's for different reasons. Um I'll just look at the votes we've got in the comments in there. Uh, Doug, again, longest serving, most games for a keeper, true giant for CPFC as well as physically and metaphorically. Um, you've had Quentin who said has gone for Bin, which would rather choose George Burridge or George uh, John Burridge or George Wood. 
Oh, my brain's not working. Andy May went first, should have played for England. That's an in there. Nigel Croucher should have been an England player. Problem was Gordon Banks was playing at the same time. It's another in vote there. In fact, the majority right, all of these bar Quentin are right? <laughs> an in vote. Our finest keeper from Steve Fawkes. Anthony Davis, Jacko was a great keeper. Any other era would have played for England. Still got his jersey from when we got promoted against uh, after Fulham game in 1969. Uh, that's an absolute treasured possession, uh, possession from, from Anthony there. Um, hmm, it wasn't called Stonewall for nothing. That's from Flight Sequence. Uh, Pete Turner's gone for best player on the pitch, as always. Um, looking for a few more there. Uh, Jerry's gone in with, uh, in praise of John Jackson, who was uh, such a brilliant goalie for Palace, displaying the same sort of loyalty as Julian Speroni and David Bray saved our bacon so many times. There you go. That's the full lot of comments that I can uh, pick out there. Starting to, uh, to run out of time. So very much an in from the listeners. Um, so that's an in from them. Uh, in from you, Albert. Is it going to make any difference if I... No, been... not at then all. I'm, then I'm going to stick to my guns and say, I didn't see him. I can't vote for him, Bin. Sorry, really sorry. Oh, sorry, Granddad. Sorry, yeah you, yeah. you will be sorry. Anyway, so that... Well, yeah, it's an in. It's an in. John Jackson joins the ultimate 25-man squad. Uh, just to run down what that is now. Um, am I going to be able to run down what that is? So it's Nigel Martin and uh, John Jackson fill the goalkeeper spots. We've got one more of them to come. Uh, next week, we'll be looking at um, centre-backs again. Currently in the defender section, we've got Scott, Scott Dan, Kenny Sansom and Eric Young. Uh, in midfield, Zaha, Taylor and Thomas. And up front, Wright, Johnson and Bright so far. The only player to have been binned is probably getting angrier by the week is Michael Hughes. So there you go. Um, good stuff. All right. Uh, he does. He looks very, very lonely over there. In uh, Dubai. Okay. <coughs> In Dubai. That's a reference to a thread on Homestale.net, isn't it? It is. You know, I'm trying to bring some synergy to the, to the show. I don't use words like synergy, mate. Come on. Why not? Shall I say fantastic? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the word of the day. I do uh, just sent. Yeah, why not? Just because <laughs> I wait, can't just... do them. <laughs> he did squeak a bit during, when he said the word "can't." There, I'm going right. to get Mikey to isolate that at some point and uh, play it over and over and over because it amuses me. Uh, just a quick word for the study centre. The next edition of the Eaglet program, which is a brilliant little kids program, um, and it also helps raise money for the study centre as well, which is incredibly important. Uh, that goes on sale on the 28th of November, which I believe is the Sun... No, that's not the Sunderland game. That's the Newcastle game uh, at Selhurst. So do uh, do get... In, well, just get hold of that. Say, certainly if you've got kids, it's a great thing to read. But, um, yeah, they're amazing, amazing stuff uh, that the Study Centre do. And they need much... And desperately need your support, to be honest with you. And they'll uh, we'll be featuring uh, a lot more about the Study Centre in the coming weeks. Going to have a chat with Susan Jackson, who, who runs the Study Centre. and uh, Any relation? Jobs. To John Jackson, I don't believe so, no. no Thank sadly. God, because I just binned him, that could have been awkward. <laughs> that could really have been awkward, yeah. Uh, but yeah, have a, have a proper look at what they do and, and how people can get you know, uh, get involved in fundraising for, for the study centre. They do an incredible job down there. Um, so yeah, more of, that coming in the, more of that in the coming weeks. Uh, just to end the show, let's have a quick chat. What do we want? It's a couple of weeks' time. We're playing Sunderland. Anything we want to see? Any changes you want to make? We're hoping Joel Ward is back, Ben. Yeah, Joel will back Conor Wickham to start, and uh, hopefully it should be uh, another three points for us. And do you worry, Albert? We've had the little, you know, couple of good games in a row. Played very well against United. Now beating Liverpool. Now we've got that that little gap, haven't we? Could be a bit frustrating not to have a game the following week to get that momentum. Uh, what, what, what are you feeling about it? 
Uh, I agree with the momentum thing, but I also think if it's a couple of weeks that sees Joe Ward a bit fitter and Connor Wickham a bit fitter, I think it's actually a good thing. Um, I agree with what they were saying about Wickham. He needs to you know, be a bit more like Diego Costa. So I mean, I'm hoping he's going to to start looking at people and saying you smell and holding his nose and stuff um, yeah, it's definitely missing from his game definitely missing <laughs> alright well um, thank you very much for everyone who's listened today we had some technical issues so hopefully they didn't spoil your enjoyment and I'm sure the uh, producers will edit the pod so it looked like nothing happened that was bad and we just have no real explanation as to why Nick suddenly disappeared from the show and Albert appeared and uh, and Jill just randomly swearing in the middle of the conversation. So, um, yeah, my thanks to Sam and Mikey for producing in difficult circumstances. Thank you to Albert, Ben, Nick, and the swearing of Joe Holyoke. We'll be back in, well, two weeks' time, I guess. Um, probably the Monday. Sunderland's on the Monday, isn't it? Keep in touch. See at HOL Radio on Twitter and look at, keep uh, in touch with our message board threads to find out when we're next on. Cheerio. Bye. Fantastic. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.